He's alive, guys. He's alive. Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. Jesus is alive. (laughs) He lives in our hearts. He lives. And he's coming again to receive all that call on his name. And I pray simply this morning, if nothing else happens today, you settle in your heart that when Jesus calls, when the trumpet sounds, you're ready. That's what Easter is about. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? You doing good? Smile for me. Come on. So I heard something the other day that, that uh, triggered a question that I thought I'd kind of open with, get our wheels turning. Has, uh, has, have attitudes changed toward company in the last 20 years? You know what I mean by that. If somebody knocked at your door 20 years ago, what did you do? Everybody went, oh, we have company. And, oh, and, you know, the whole family got up and went to the door together and said, hey, guys, I didn't know you were coming by. Yeah, we were just in the neighborhood. thought we'd stop by. Come on in. We'll make some coffee. Mama just baked a cake in case you were coming by. I mean, just we loved company. Is that how it is now? How is it now? Oh, somebody's at the door. Why is somebody at my house? What is somebody doing at my house? Turn the lights off. Maybe they didn't see. We duck down behind the couch and hide, hoping they'd go away. I mean, things have changed, right? Right? The reason I bring that up is because it occurred to me as I was pondering uh, Easter Sunday and all that it means, I was pondering the words of Jesus uh, from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Let me read them to you, and then I want to ask a simple question that kind of launches us into what I want to share with you for just a few minutes this morning on this Easter Sunday, Revelation 3, 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I I wonder, here's the question, I wonder how today's attitudes toward company have changed the way we respond to Jesus knocking at our door saying, let me in. I wonder if there's any difference. I mean, you've seen probably the stained glass window kind of thing where they're famous all over the world where Jesus is standing behind the door and he's knocking and there's a knob on your side, but there's no knob on his side. And it just reminds us that, that Jesus is a gentleman. He wants to come and do dinner with us and hang out with us. But at the end of the day, we're the ones that have to open the door because he's not going to force himself on us. You, you've probably seen some of those stained glass window kind of things before. I don't know I don't know how that affects you or what you think about when you hear about that, but I want to ponder it for just a minute and simply put, whatever it is that you think Jesus wants from you, what he says he wants is to hang out with you. I mean, it doesn't say, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you'll open the door to me, I'll point out every bad thing you ever did. It doesn't say, you know, I'll come and I'll I'll look at you and stare at you until you finally submit to to doing everything, you know, the list of do's and don'ts. Keep all the rules, you know. It's not what he said, is it? What did he say? If you'll open the door to me, I'll come eat with you. Well, what does it mean to come eat with somebody? What does it mean to come hang out, sit around the kitchen table, have a bowl of chili together? What does that mean? It means I want to be friends. 
If you meet somebody and, and you decide you want to be in relationship with them at some level, one of the things you'll often do is, hey, you guys want to come over for dinner one night? Or, hey, you want to meet at a restaurant? Let's have dinner. What does it mean? It means that I want a relationship with you. I want us to take it to the next level of just bumping into each other. I want us to get to that place where we're actually in relationship. I don't know if that amazes you the way it does me, but I want you to picture it with me. I want you to imagine the God of the universe is standing behind the door, this this. God of all things is brokenhearted because we won't open the door to him. He's feeling isolated from the very people that he created in order to have relationship, in order to give his love to me. Now, just to be clear, people with familiar with this verse tend to apply this verse to people that are far from God, but Revelation 3.20 was not written to people who are far from God Some of you know your book of Revelation. It was written to Christians. It was written to the Laodicean church that went through the motions of being Christians, but somewhere along the way they had forgotten that this is ultimately about an intimate relationship with the God of the universe who made us on purpose, with a purpose, and part of that purpose was him to pour his love out on us. Somehow this isn't just to people who are far from God. It is for you if that's where you are, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, if that's where you are. He's saying, please, let me in. I want to hang out with you. I want to get to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. But it's for us. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, it's a call to all of us. This all-powerful, all-knowing God is feeling the pain of a broken heart. This paid-for-our-sins on the cross, God, this, this conquered death, hell and the grave, God cannot accomplish the one thing that he wants most in life, and that is to have an intimate, loving relationship with us. And why can't he? Because he's all wise, and he understands you can't, you, you can't force somebody to love you back. Is that true? Now, he's God. Can he make you obey? Sure he can. He's God. Can he make you bow? Sure he can. He's God. But he doesn't just want you to obey. He doesn't just want you to bow. He wants you to love him back. And he understands that the gift that he's given to us is this freedom of choice where we get to decide whether, in fact, we will open the door, whether or not we will invite him in to this relationship. And that's why you see throughout the Bible over and over and over again, you see God wooing people. You see God offering grace and mercy over and over again. Every time they mess up, he just kind of loves on them some more, and, and, and you see him coming uh, not as a conqueror, but as a, as a servant. You see him coming as a savior. Is ultimately, you see him coming as a sacrifice to pay the price for my sin and yours. It was your sin that nailed him to the cross. It was my sin that nailed him to the cross. He didn't have any. It was ours that put him there. All because he wants a personal relationship with us. That's it. The end of the day, that's all he wants from us is that we will open the door and invite him in and that's what Easter's really all about. God's ultimate desire to have an intimate, personal relationship with with us and his willingness to go to extreme lengths in order to have it. In fact, that's really all I want to talk to you about today in the few minutes I've got with you. For those of you that are visiting, your first-time guest, uh, uh, or maybe you haven't been here in a long time and you're meeting Pastor Jim for the first time, uh, 
my normal mode is, is teacher. And so we have, we'll take practical truths and we'll see what the Bible says about practical kind of stuff and we'll, we'll unpack that in great detail and we'll kicking off a new series next week. We're calling The Church Is Fill in the Blank and we're going to talk about some of the stereotypes that, that are often applied to the church and we're going to have an honest dialogue about how we've earned some of those stereotypes and what we're going to do about it. Church full of hypocrites. Church only cares about my money. That kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that honestly and see what the Bible says and what we're going to do about it. But for today, I just want to explore this one question. How has the current attitudes of the world that we live in toward having company, toward opening the door to somebody who's standing there talking, how has that affected our relationship with the fact that Jesus is at the door of our hearts knocking right now? And not just knocking to come in, but knocking to say, I want to come in, hang out with you. I want to do life with you. I want to be in relationship with you. He's saying, I, I, I want to know everything about you, and I want you to know everything about me. Not based on, on your performance, it's based on my grace, but, but, but I want us to know each other. I want a mutual, intimate kind of relationship, mutual pursuit, if you'll call it that, where we have this wonderful relationship with one another. And I know, as I say that, you know, that can be a scary thought. I mean, just having that level of intimacy with a human being can be scary enough, can I get an amen in the house? where you just kind of take off all the masks and be totally transparent and totally honest about what's going on in your life. That, that, even that by itself, even if you're married to that other person, it can be really hard to just be that totally transparent and honest and authentic with each other. But now we're talking about having that kind of an authentic relationship with the God of the universe. It's kind of heady stuff when you think about it because, let's be honest, we're not exactly peers. Hello, are you out there? We, we can pretend to be the captain of our own fate, but we can't even figure out where we want to go for lunch today. Come on. <laughs> we, can be can, in, we can pretend, we can have the mirage of, of being in control of every, every aspect of our lives, but every one of us in this room right now has a situation that we wish we could handle differently, but we have no control over what's going on. Hello? But we're talking about the God who has control. We're talking about the God who has all power and all wisdom. We're talking about being in intimate relationship with the God of the universe. How do you relate to that kind of power? Honestly, the only way you do it is I surrender. And therein lies the rub. Because you see, we, we like God just fine. We, we even want him close in case we need him. You know, it's kind of like, are you, are you still back there, Jesus? You, you, you're there, right? I just, I'm not ready to open the door, but, uh, but you know, if I need you, I want to I wanna know. You, you're, you're there? Hello? Can you knock once? Just, okay, good. Oh, all right, good. Uh, glad you're there because, you know, we want him close. But let's not get carried away with this idea of being totally transparent and surrendering completely to God. But you've got to know that opening the door and letting him in and opening your heart to a personal relationship with him always includes the element of who gets to be in charge. That's always going to be there because of who he is. Eventually, you're going to come 
to that place where you see that he is God and I am not. He's in control and I am not. He wrote the plan for my life that works. I did not. The problem is that that means giving up control. And that's hard. Can I get an amen in the house? That's hard. That means abandoning your plans for his. And somehow that seems scary. In fact, can I be honest with you as a pastor? I'm going to be, whether you give me permission or not, it's just nice to ask. Um, One of the most heartbreaking things for me as a pastor is to watch people, I would say hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the last 40, none of your business years, who have opened the door a crack because they wanted a relationship with Jesus, but when it came to this point where it's your plan, not mine, your will, not mine, your ways, not mine, they backed away. I've seen some of you do it. It's just too scary to break out of our comfort zone. It's just too scary to abandon our own plans completely and give it up. But hear me, guys. I need you to understand the more personal he gets, the closer you get to him, the more accountable you are to him because he's God and you're not. The more you understand about him, the more you realize his plan is better than yours. What he he has in mind for you is better than you dare to dream or think or ask. But hear me, the only appropriate response to his knock is, yeah, man, come in, please. I, I need you in my life, and I want you in my life. And if that means surrender, so be it. So be it. And I know, I know what happens. Easter Sunday, we come to church. We come to a place like this on a day like this, and we see happy faces, and, and we hear the music, and it's powerful, and we feel the presence of God, and we feel the love in the room, and we say, okay, I'll open the door. I'll, I'll make a commitment. I'll be in relationship with Jesus, and we start that journey with him, but eventually it comes to that place where you have to ask yourself the question, who's really in charge? Whew, I don't know. You know, I've got this career I'm building. I've got these plans that I've made. I've got these hobbies that I've adopted. I've got this stuff that I really like to do. I don't know if I'm really ready to let go of all my plans in order to embrace his plans. And before you know it, we've abandoned intimacy with God for the mirage of control in our lives. I like the way Andy Stanley puts it. He says, when you trade intimacy for control, All you have left is religion. When it happens, all you've got left is this God who sort of looks like God, but who is predictable enough that you don't have to give up control. Predictable enough that you don't have to break out of your comfort zone. And so our Christianity stops being about a real relationship with the God of the universe and becomes this kind of predictable, comfortable religion where we kind of form our traditions and our rituals and our our worship styles, and it's all designed to help us feel close to God when in truth what we're doing is using all of those things to hold God at a safe distance. It's called hiding. It's called hiding. 
Nothing new about it. It's happened from the beginning of time. It happened to Adam and Eve in the garden so long ago. God created them. He put them in that idyllic setting called the Garden of Eden, and and he gave them responsibilities to till the earth, take care of the earth, name the animals, do all that kind of stuff. And every day they walked in this intimate kind of relationship with God. Day by day in the cool of the evening, they'd go for walks and go for talks. The only thing God said is, you know, at the end of the day, I'm in charge, not you. And so I'm going to let you do anything you want, but just don't eat the cranapple. Just don't go to that one fruit right over there don't eat that one and of course we all know what they did because that's the one thing we want to do when we're told that's the one thing we can't do in other words they decided on control over intimacy look at the scriptures Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 through 10 here's what happened Next, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. That's the first time in recorded history that it happened. That a man and a woman who had intimate relationship with God opted for control over intimacy and lost it and started hiding from him as a result to hide their decision. But hear me, guys, it's been happening ever since. Well, not too many fig leaf bikinis around, but you know what I mean. We've got our ways of hiding, don't we? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. We have our ways. Some people hide behind religious service. I mean, we stay busy doing things that for God. You know, of course I'm close to God. Look how much I do for him. And yes, he calls us to serve, but not not because, but because of our love for him, not as a means to our love for him. Some people hide behind civic involvement. They'll, they'll say, yeah, I heard the knock, and yeah, I'll open the door a crack to Jesus. I, I want Jesus in my life, but I'm doing some really important stuff in the community, so I don't really have time to get fully engaged in this. I better manage my control because i got important stuff that i got to do over here. Some people hide behind church traditions. You know, we, we, we go through the motions so we don't have to address intimacy issues. I had a lady come to the church I served some time ago. She came for a while, and I watched her grow. I watched her go on this journey. I watched her grow. I watched her make a commitment to Jesus, and, and, uh, and then suddenly I realized she wasn't around, and I hadn't seen her for a while, and I reached out to her, and she didn't even answer my my phone call, and, uh, and, and so I, I, you know, tried a couple of times and then finally just began to pray for her. And about six months later, she showed up in service one morning, and I saw her, and, and one of them said, oh, it's so good to see you. I hope you're doing okay. I tried to reach out to you. I, have you been okay? She said, yeah. Um, I need to be honest with you. I went back to my old church. I said, oh, well, fine. Yeah, we're, as long as you're in the house of God, God-honoring, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church, we don't care. She said, no, you don't understand. I came here and started this journey to Christ, and it got kind of uncomfortable for me after a while and and decided that my old church was more comfortable because I knew all the songs. And I knew how to dress. And I knew the words and jargon to use. And I knew how to act in order to be accepted And I finally realized that I was hiding behind all those things. And I came here and there was nothing to hide behind. 
And now I've decided I'd rather have Jesus than hide. And I watched her take off. You see, we come to those places where we realize we've been hiding. We've got a decision to make, whether it's religious service or civic involvement or, or church traditions, doesn't matter. It's all about maintaining control, which ultimately blocks us from intimacy. We, we all know Christians, don't look at them, but we all know Christians who hide behind knowledge. I mean, these are the folks who can list the books of the Bible in order. They can outline the New Testament you know, with maps and charts and graphs and guides. And, but when it comes to this, this idea of God, uh, all that I am and all that I hope to be and everything that I do and everything that I have, it is yours. Whoa, let's not get carried away, preacher. Come on, you know. They draw the line there. They've got the latest, greatest Bible puzzles. But this, uh, you know. And all their clues rhyme, but no, I don't know if I want this intimate relationship. Follow him wherever he leads. Don't you think that's a little much, preacher? Some people hide behind questions. You've probably met some of them along the way. Maybe you've been one of those people along the way. Maybe you're one of them now. I don't know, but they, they love to ask questions like, well, okay, well, where do the dinosaurs come from? Or if God, here's one, if God is so good, then why do so many bad things happen in the world? Now, those are great questions, and we're thrilled to answer those questions for you, but let's just be real honest with each other and take the masks off for just a minute, because here's what I've learned about those people over the years. You can give them answers to those questions, and guess what they do? They just come up with new questions. Because it isn't, at the end of the day, about answers to questions. It's about who gets to be in charge. It's about choosing control over intimacy with the God of the universe. And then, of course, there are many, it seems these days, unprecedented numbers who hide behind bad past experiences. Well, you know, I hear you, preacher, and I, I know, you know, God loves me, and I know Jesus died for my sins, and I know he was from the grave, grave and all that, but, but, but you've you, you got to understand that 12 years ago, this preacher said something that hurt my feelings. Or these church people acted in a way that was painful to me. And so I just, and I get that. And I, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be insensitive about any pain from your past for a moment. I'm, I'm truly sorry that any pain that you've experienced through the years happened in your life. I truly am. But at least be honest with yourself and say there's a point at which you've got to stop letting your past define your present. Or it isn't your past anymore. That you're, in fact, letting those people continue to define what's happening to you today and what will happen to you in the future. And eventually, you've got to kind of let that go and give that to God and let him take care of that one. And if you can't, then maybe, maybe it has to do with opting for control over intimacy. I don't know. I mean, whatever your issues are, whatever your defense mechanisms are, whatever the walls are that you've built up, Let's be honest, guys, all of us have to come to that place where we make a decision, am I a follower of Jesus Christ or not? Is he God and I'm not or not? I need to tell you that I believe with everything in me that God brought you here today for this one 
reason. You, you may think you're here because it's Easter and that's what you do every Easter or because your family was coming and you wanted to be with your family or, or because you knew your wife was not going to give you any rest until you answered her call and came with her or whatever your reason you think you're here, I believe with everything in me you're here to hear this Arctic blonde preacher say when you abandon all out intimacy with God for control, all you have left is religion and when all you got is religion, the spirit of God has left the room. So when temptation comes for you to push him away, say, no, 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 I I, know I can't go there. Please recognize that for what it is. It's Satan's attempt to steal the joy of intimacy from you. It's the devil trying to block you from having what Jesus came and invited himself to do. I stand at the door and knock. If you'll let me in. We'll have a relationship, but I'm counting on you to open the door. The knob's on your side. Let me in, please. You don't have to be afraid of me. I love you. But I want more than a superficial relationship. I want the real deal. Well, I hear you, Pastor, but how, how, how do I know if I've done that? How do I know if, I've, if, I'm, if I'm making that mistake right now? I think I'm a follower of Jesus, but... But are, are there ways to know? Well, yeah, there are. There's some pretty simple ones. Let me just mention a couple, and then we're going to wrap this up. I told you I'm going to keep you long. I just wanted to answer this one question for all of us today. But how do you know? Well, there's some things that happen when you opt for control over intimacy with God. One of the things that I found is instead of reading God's Word privately, you settle for hearing it read publicly. There's no private time in the Word of God. It's just, well, the preacher said, the teacher said, the group leader said, and that's enough. For a lot of people, instead of this public faith, this being water baptized is a public testimony of your relationship with Jesus Christ, or, or, or scarier yet, sharing your faith with a co-worker or somebody in the community, that idea of public faith falls way to that old saying, well, you know, faith is a private matter. Who said that? Instead of worship, we just go to church. Hey, did you worship today? Yeah, I went to church. That's not what I asked you. Did you worship today? Well, I sang along with the songs. That's not what I asked you. Did you adore the God of the universe? Did you give the one who is worthy of your worship the highest value did you give it to him did you give him the honor that he alone is due did that happen today and I'm not just talking about on Sunday morning I'm talking about on Monday afternoon I'm talking about on Thursday morning did you worship are you a worshiper hell I went to church it's almost like we think God's got this this grade book with a checklist it's yep she came got it Good, all right, we're in. That's not what he's asking for. He's asking for so much more. But hear me, when you opt for control over intimacy, you be content just to show up. Instead of faith being at the center of your life, it becomes one of the many parts of your complex life. Like the fellow that came to me one day and and he said, Pastor, you're going to be proud to know he'd been coming to the church for a few weeks and He said, Pastor, you're going to be proud to know that I have put Jesus on my team. He's a real sports nut guy and everything's sports metaphors for him. And so I said, well, okay, great, Steve. Uh, When are you going to make him general manager? 
I'm not ready for that. That's what he's asking for. Here's the bottom line. When you opt for control over intimacy, eventually you settle for image over substance. Easter becomes about our Easter outfit instead of a celebration of our risen Lord. Christianity becomes a label that we wear. We'd rather pretend that we're growing than actually be honest with where we are so we can map out a process for growing to the next level. Hear me, guys. What ultimately happens is truth that ought to touch us on a deep emotional level becomes intellectual fact. And we've all been there. We've all done that. I've got to close, but I will always remember that Sunday nearly 50 years ago when I was in church one Sunday morning and they were singing that old hymn of the church, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Do you know that one? But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. I remember that morning singing those words and they exploded in my heart. And I looked around this great church that I'd grown up in. I looked around and I saw people singing those words and I could tell somehow by the look on their face that they had sung them so many times over the years that it was just kind of a rote singing of some familiar words that didn't go beyond their minds, didn't touch their hearts at all. But for me, I'm sitting there as an 18-year-old kid about to bust. I'm about to blow up. I mean, tears are bursting out of my eyes, and I know that somehow in this moment, life will never be the same again. And that day, I heard Jesus knocking. Oh, I'd already said I was a Christian. I'd already gone to the altar and prayed. I'd already professed my faith in Jesus Christ. I already said, yeah, I'll be a follower of Jesus now, but I was still holding on to control. I, I, was, I was still deciding my own fate. I was going to be a rock star. First song I ever sang in public was In a God of Vita by Iron Butterfly. I mean, come on. <laughs> I had my plans. Don't mess with my plans, Lord. But in that moment, in that day, so Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. It doesn't matter because you're in charge, not me. And that's the day that I opened the door. Not a crack, but wide open. And said, come in and eat with me and do life with me. Can I tell you what happens when you do that? Jesus said, I've come to give 
your life in all its fullness. Satan's come to steal and kill and destroy that life. He wants you to hold on to control and live within your comfort zone. He does. That's, what he's, that's his goal for you because he knows that leads to death. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life in all its, all its fullness. Some people have, uh, I read just the other day, uh, uh, some, some history from Death Valley. If you know Death Valley in Southern California, Arizona region, it's the, it's the darkest, most desolate part of America. You guys familiar with Death Valley? Highest temperatures recorded in America are in Death Valley. Average temperatures 118 during the summer months. In fact, we've got a picture. Here we go. Uh, that as you're entering into Death Valley, that's all you see is sand and rocks. And, but you see a sign that says, Caution, Extreme Heat. In, in years gone by, hundreds, maybe thousands of people died trying to cross Death Valley. It's one of the reasons it got its name because it was so desolate and so dry and so barren. Today, there are big signs that says, if, if you don't have water and gas, you better buy it now before you enter Death Valley or you may not get out on the other side. It's, just, it's, a, it's a reality that life and death is on the other side of that sign. But in December of 2004, for whatever reason, just total anomaly from, from weather conditions, Death Valley got seven inches of rain in just a few days' time. Nothing happened immediately after that rain, but that spring, something changed. In fact, we got a picture of that. Same image, same shot, but life, they call it the super bloom of 2005. Google it. This life burst out of Death Valley, and what they understood, what they came to realize is life was there all along. It was just dormant. The seeds were there. They were just dormant. All they needed was the water to bring them life, and when the water came, life sprung out. So Jesus is standing behind the door, and he's saying, I'm the water. I will pour rivers of living water into you. What's on the other side of opening that door? Life. Life. I had my plans for my life. They were grand plans. I thought they were huge plans. I, you know, I thought it was going to be amazing. And it has been. But nothing like I thought it was going to be. He's taken me all over the planet. He's given me an amazing woman that's committed to, my, to me as a partner and helpmate in life and ministry and mother to our sons and granny to our eight grandkids. God has blessed us in so many incredible kinds of ways. But if you want to know who I am, I'm just an 18-year-old kid that said, whatever. I, I, you say it and I will do it. You, you call and I will answer. You point and I will follow. There, there will be no arguing. There will be no negotiating. There will be no, well, I don't know. I've got these other things I want to do. I've got these other plans I want to fulfill. I got, there, will, there will be none of that. And I think if you look back over my life and history, you'll see that's kind of the way I've done life. And the result is that I stand here saying, don't be afraid to open the door. 
Now, I'm trying to be clear today because we've been praying. You're part of the Bridge family. We, we've been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks that 50 people will come to faith in Jesus Christ across all of our locations today. That's what we've been praying for for a long time. But I need you to hear me say, I'm not looking for fans of Jesus. Ooh, I like Jesus. Yeah, I'll check a box. I'm looking for people who will say yes. I will follow you. That's what I've been praying for. People who will opt for intimacy with God over this mirage of control in their own lives. I'm looking for you. Did I mention that Revelation 3.20 was written to Christians and churchgoers, too. So close your eyes with me. Bow your heads for just a moment. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I know you've heard his knock. I know you've heard it. Some of you have heard it while I've been talking just now. Some of you heard it while we were singing this morning and you saw people around you who appeared to be fully engaged. Some of you heard that knock when you were at a party with a bunch of friends and sitting there with a drink in your hand and kind of distanced yourself from the crowd, only physically still sitting there, but emotionally kind of pulled back and went into this place where we said, is, is that all there is? Surely there's more to life than, than party to party, problem to problem. Surely there's more to life than this. You know what that is? That's the knock. Whatever your circumstance on this Easter Sunday morning, what I need you to hear me say is Jesus wants a relationship with you, but he doesn't want a superficial one, and he wants the real deal. So would you pray a prayer with me? I didn't ask you about your journey up to this point. I'm just asking you about right now. Would you pray a prayer with me? Let it go something like this. Jesus, I hear the knock. I'm opening the door. Wide open. I want everything you have for me. I want you to have all of me. I am yours. Forgive me for pretending to have control and holding you at arm's length. Give me a fresh start today. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you to do me a favor today. I want you to get a Connect card in your hand. Andy asked you to hold them to the end of the service. There's something special I wanted you to do. I want you to get a Connect card in your hand. Even if you turned one in earlier, get a card in your hand. 
I want you to give me some information because I want to know how to pray for you. Up in the top left corner of the card, just in that top left corner of the card, I don't know if you can see it, where it says connect card, left of the connect. If you say to me, Pastor, I'm there. I was already there when I walked through the door today. I am all in. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And whatever he says goes. Then I want you to put an A in that corner of the card. Would you do that for me? You say, before I got here today, that's, that's me. I am a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I'm still growing. I've got plenty of room to grow. But I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Put an A in that top left corner. If you say today, I made that commitment today. I, I didn't ask you what your relationship was like before today with Jesus, but today I've said, you know what, I, I, I'm all in today. I'm opening the door wide open, not a crack, not just giving mental assent to who Jesus is, but I'm yours, Lord. I'm committing to you. Maybe you made that commitment a long time ago, and as we've been talking today, you've realized that you've kind of backburnered that, and today's your day to, to come on back in. I want you to put a B in the top left corner of your card. Just let me know. I want to pray for you. Nobody's going to call you. Nobody's going to show up at your house and knock on the door and ask for cake and coffee. That's not going to happen. I just want to pray for you, okay? And if you're honest, this is a safe place to be honest and transparent. So if you're honest and say, you know what, I'm not either one of those, but I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. I, I'm kind of debating about where Jesus fits in my life and what it would be like to have a relationship with him. Okay, then I really want to pray for you. So would you put a C in that top left corner? My hope is that every one of us in this room is filling out a card right now. You that are online, go to our app and, and fill it out and, and put a letter on your card. Send it in digitally. But I want to know where we are, guys. A, B, C. And I want to pray for you in the days ahead. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to be in relationship with you. Thank you for making the overture starting the journey, giving up the glories of heaven, coming to earth, taking on the form of man, the form of a servant, served all the way to death, the worst possible kind of death, death on the cross. But even death couldn't hold you. The grave couldn't hold you. You're alive, and we came to celebrate that life. Now we want that life. So as we go from this place, having declared our own commitment to you, whether it's a long-term I'm all in or a brand-new I'm all in or I'm thinking about it, I'm considering it. Thank you for the commitments that we've made today, the decisions that we've made today, and I pray that you would help every one of us to have taken one more step in your direction this Easter Sunday, 2019, and then show us the life you have for us as a result. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> Thank you so much for being with us on Easter Sunday. The ushers are going to be at all of the doors. Please leave your Connect cards there on your way out. Let us know so we can pray for you this week. Next Sunday, we're kicking off a whole new series called The Church Is. Insert your stereotype there. It's going to be an awesome series. I can't wait to get started in it. But let's make sure we're going into it with this honest look at control over intimacy. Let's give Jesus our lives. Okay, Father, go with us. Keep us safe. Let today be a day of celebration of, of family and celebration of life. And then let, let that life play out in our days ahead until you come. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, 
Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Easter. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday.